What is it like to age well in the Garden State, where nearly a quarter of residents are over 60 years old? Are you one of them? Join New Jersey Advocates for Aging Well to discuss the ups and downs of aging in New Jersey. In this podcast series, we tap into our network of leading experts to provide a fresh look into the key issues affecting the state's older population and their families, including finances, housing, health, and security. Each half-hour episode details professional insight into how you can maximize the joy, minimize the challenges, and capitalize on the opportunities that aging in the Garden State offers. Travel has been significantly disrupted since COVID-19 shutdown started in the spring of 2020. But even without a pandemic, it seems that just when we have the time to enjoy and explore traveling, new challenges get in our way. Join us today to get inside advice from an expert on traveling well as we age well. Hello and welcome to Aging Insights. I'm Dr. Kathy Rowe, Executive Director of New Jersey Advocates for Aging Well. And today I'd like to welcome our guest, Tyler Zajax, President and CEO of Tours of Distinction. So Tyler, welcome to our show. We're very glad to have you today. Thank you, Kathy. And we, can Happy you tell us about yourself and, and what it means to be a travel agency these days? Because it is very, very hard to find them. Well, um, i am uh, uh, been a, a veteran of the industry for uh, just over 20 years now, um, and uh, approximately seven years ago, I decided to uh, chart my own path and um, purchase Tours of Distinction. So um, I myself have traveled all over the world and worked for various um, tour companies and travel agencies, um, you know, creating and sending people on amazing life experiences um, to all destinations, all four corners of the globe, no matter what uh, uh, age they are and no mm -hmm. matter what they're looking to do. Nice. And, you know, three years ago, travel came to a screeching halt when, when COVID-19 started. I, it seems like, you know, we're starting to get back to normal, if we can call it normal. But um, what is different now and what should people expect if they're traveling for the first time since COVID? What has changed or what do they need to be aware of? Well, I think what's changed a lot is um, just the perception of travel. Um, people, you know, would pick up and go without batting an eye before or, mm -hmm. or, or, or worrying about what may come. Um, so what's really changed is um, how people are looking and approaching um, not so much where they want to go to a degree, especially as we come out of COVID a bit, but um, how they're buying it. And okay. a lot of people, uh, uh, what's changed the most is their booking pattern. So people would book and plan, um, and we're all great planners, um, mm -hmm. and we tend to plan many things far out, whether birthday parties, marriages, and things like that. And travel was included in that. But now, uh -huh. um, people are, are, are planning, uh, their trips, uh, or travel or whatever it may be, um, in a much shorter time frame. Uh, so they're okay. much more last minute. Um, because they want to ensure that one, um, the, um, the, the, nothing's going to change at the destination they're going. They don't mm -hmm. want to put something so far out. And then lo and behold, the, the, the country closes its borders, uh, a virus comes up, a pandemic mm -hmm. gets extended or, or what have you. Um, so they really, really want to make sure that, uh, that's not going to happen and they also want to make sure that the money that they're putting down for their trip and their travel is going to go 
um, right. and, and make sure that they're paying for what they get. Um, so okay. that's probably the biggest shift a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, that's probably, that's pretty much the biggest shift in travel. Okay. Well, I've noticed, um, and I wonder if you have, are the airlines and, and hotels more flexible about cancellation policies than they used to be? Expecting they are. that these challenges are there? They are. Um, I'd say, believe it or not, uh, the airlines are much more flexible, um, and especially right after the, the, the pandemic did start. Mm-hmm. Um, they they did become more flexible. Um, at hotels, um, I would say not not as in as much hotels. Okay. Uh, they hotels have had pretty much certain policies for the most part, where you know you could cancel up to four p.m. the day before and you know receive uh, your money back or with no cost if you did cancel. Um, airlines now have um, airlines can are, are tricky. They are <laughs> now allowing. Um, people to cancel and get credits, um, but they're offering many, much more a la carte services. And okay. what I mean by that is they've been doing that a little bit over time. You know, you could, you have to pay for your bag or right. you have to pay for a meal or whatever it may be on the plane. Um, but they're offering many different fare classes now. So you can book um, a refundable ticket that's not mm-hmm. much more than a non-refundable ticket where prior a refundable ticket, you wouldn't even consider buying a refundable ticket. It was twice the price. As right. Where now they're, you know, maybe a hundred dollars more, maybe two, but that's for people that ultimately want that flexibility. That's not such a bad difference in price actually. Yeah. Uh, and they're also giving um, uh, credits, your e-ticket. So if you have to cancel, you can purchase a fare that will allow you to get 50% of the value of your ticket uh, back and be able to be used towards future travel. Um, and then you can also pay a different fare that will allow you to get 100% of the value of your ticket back um, that can be used towards um, future travel as well. So they 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 have been much more um, flexible when it comes to what they're offering. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it's still worth it for every every consumer and traveler to make sure and double always double check that fine print when they're um, putting the money down for it for a ticket. Okay, no good advice. Um, so even you know before COVID, airports, especially airports, can be challenging, and there are some people that you know who need assistance going through. And you know, let's face it, we're all three years older than we were when we were traveling more freely. So um, for people traveling by plane. What are some of the tips you have for making it through the airport? If you have, you know, maybe a walking device, um, if you have a pacemaker, if you have medication that you're bringing on board, how do you get through, especially TSA? Well, definitely arrive early enough. If you Mm -hmm. have such, um, you know, concerns um, that you, you will need to handle when you get to the airport, make sure you're there well ahead of time. Okay. Uh, not going to rush yourself. There's also um, options available to people nowadays, such as Clear, which is an easier way to get through the TSA checkpoint. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, TSA PreCheck as well um, is another great alternative for those that want to streamline having to get through the airport. Okay. Um, you know, if you do require any sort of uh, mobility assistance, uh, the best thing is to do advise the airline at time of booking. Um, okay. And let them know that that's something that you will require. And also to reconfirm it 
prior to showing up to the airport about 48 hours uh, beforehand. So okay. and make sure that you are um, getting exactly what you've, you've asked for. And further to that, even on the return end of it, when you're coming home, you're going to want to do the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. so the, the airline is aware that you are going to, you're going to need that assistance. Okay. And that assistance um, can help you get from the airport, you know, from when you get out of the car all the way through to the plane. I, a few years ago, I had a little skiing accident and getting back on the plane was challenging. We thought it would be challenging, but I have to say the airline handled everything from the moment I stepped foot in the airport to getting me on the plane, getting me off the plane again. It was, you know, a service that I had never realized was there before. And they are, they're really, they are really good at it, actually. And I think that comes to sort of the age factor of, of, you know, because we, we tend to be a little bit older when we'll need that sort of assistance. Right. And um, so there's that caring hand a little bit more. Um, and, and it's definitely understood by, by the industry. Um, okay. Depending on the destination and where you're going, you'll, you'll, you'll find things could be a wee bit different because a lot of the times the services, even though you um, advise the airline, um, that service is actually not provided by the carrier in most cases. It's provided by the airport itself who has a contracted a company um, for that at each airport. So if you are traveling, if you have a prescription or your medication and you're traveling with that medication, do you have any suggestions for, you know, bringing that through TSA or, or taking it with you when you travel abroad? That's a great question. And I, I would, it can't hurt to ensure that your doctor has a note or a copy even of the prescription with your doctor's phone number address, of course, name um, mm-hmm. on it so that if something does happen when you're, you're away, uh, you at least have that as a backup if you need it. Okay. Um, and some countries have different sort of laws and what can go in medicine and what can't. Um, okay. So you just want to make sure that if you get to a country that could have such, most don't, a prescription is a prescription, um, uh, but you, you are sort of covered if they see it and that you're not bringing a prescription also into the country that um, okay. could have like a bad example, uh, but I'm just off the top of my head, perhaps uh, Italy does not have um, a, a type of painkiller. They don't, it's a narcotic, so they don't consider, you know, oxycodone or something like that um, relevant in their drug industry, right? They use mm-hmm. a bit weaker things, but America does. So you you just want to know that you've been given something legally and if they even can okay. get it there, that they'll be technically allowed to get it uh, right. as opposed to um, uh, them being denied it or not being able to at all. If there are some serious, um, if you have a, a, a serious condition, it is worth it um, to speak to your doctor prior to travel and see what mm-hmm. things as well too. I know a lot of people don't like to do that because it can cost, you know, a copay to go speak to your doctor or whatnot. Right. But it can be worth it and save you some, um, well, gives you peace of mind, but can also save you a headache and uh, possibly some money down the line as well. Okay. So. Good to know. So, um, now we're in New Jersey. You're in Connecticut, right? Correct. But, uh, but our audience, we're talking about New Jersey. And, um, you know, we're, we're kind of lucky because we have access to several different airports. If you're up in the north, Liberty Airport, uh, Newark Liberty is a huge airport and a hub. Um, but you can also get to LaGuardia or JFK. If you're in the southern half of the state, you can get to Philadelphia Airport. Plus, there's the Mercer County Airport. And you know, when, when you're making decisions, the, the fees change depending on where you're flying from. 
But are there other things to consider when you can, when we have the option of selecting airports? Definitely distance. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one thing to consider, but at the same time, um, it's worth to go on and see what each airport, sort of how long the lineups can tend to be. So oh, okay. you might find that, for example, JFK is an airport that we tend not to use so much. Um, okay. It's an extremely busy airport. Mm-hmm. So you have air, you don't just have a couple of airlines flying in and out of it. You have multiple, multiple international carriers that use right. it and use it as a hub. Um, okay. So that means delays can be, uh, are a bit more prevalent there. Um, but also arriving home, you, mm-hmm. you know, you can wait in that custom slash immigration line for much longer than many other airports. Uh, me personally, I like Liberty Airport a lot. Um, it's United's hub. Um, mm-hmm. So they kind of control a lot of the airport. Uh, I don't find the lines up so bad compared to the others. Um, right. But LaGuardia is a domestic. So uh, compared to the two on Long Island, JFK and LaGuardia. Um, but definitely the distance, but also the routing of, of where you're going. Um, if, if you don't want to connect, um, it's always worth to pay that little extra of a premium on the ticket price to fly nonstop, which yeah. you a lot of time as well. Um, and that's something to consider. You, you could go, uh, you know, yeah, you, you could go, you could be flying to a certain destination and you want to look at the flight time compared to how long it takes to drive there and, you know, traffic as well too, which can mm. all add up when even maybe, uh, to fly somewhere a bit further, uh, that has a bit of a, even a connection could actually end up being shorter time overall, uh, than taking something out of a busy airport that could even be nonstop, if that makes makes sense. Okay, so do your research and look at the total the total time of the trip, not yeah. which. So it might be quicker to go with a connecting flight than to go nonstop. Yeah, so I'll say even to people up here in Connecticut, um, I'll, I'll say okay. For example, if they wanted to fly, we'll we'll, we'll use Barcelona and Spain as an example. Um, many people here will fly down to, uh, sorry, they'll head down to um, JFK or Newark. So from mm-hmm. central Connecticut as a pin on a map, I'd say, you know, you're looking at three hours, though it's taken me up to six hours to get to JFK, believe it or wow. not. Um, where if you fly out of the Bradley International Airport here, which, you know, is very convenient for most people in Connecticut, even to fly to Atlanta or backtrack to Detroit and then over to Europe, can save you a significant amount of time than taking that nonstop flight out of Kennedy or even Newark. Okay. Okay. Good points. Um, So we've been talking about airports, but you know, of course there's, that's not the only way to travel. So let's talk about some other options like driving, train, cruising, and how they can fit into an older traveler's lifestyle. So, yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, Many for for um, older travelers, um, you know, uh, trains always an option. And I'll, I'll address the car uh, thing in a moment. Trains always an option, um, but that can be a bit tricky domestically uh, here for mm-hmm. us because the it's just not convenient, frankly. Yeah, extremely long uh- time. Um, and it kind of tends to really only work, uh, in the Northeast corridor that we have here, mm-hmm. from Washington up to, to Boston or return. That said, if you are, if you love trains and that's part of the experience you are looking for, there's many, many great train rides, 
um, that can take you from point A to point B here mm-hmm. uh, that is worth the journey. Um, it is relaxing. There's something soothing about being on the rails. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of convenience and access to a lot of what you're going to want to see and do, um, especially if you're interested in getting into the great outdoors a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're very much city focused and city oriented on your next trip. A train could be a great way to go. Um, and then uh, as far as driving, that really depends. Uh, with our experience, a lot of our um, travelers, uh, they don't really don't want to drive anymore. Okay. Um, whether they're, you know, they could be widowed um, or just at an age where driving has become much more of a challenge. And uh, also you want to also time it out. So you're not really going to be driving at night. That's quite a fear that we have a few travelers that don't want to be doing that. So you're right. That's a really good point because a lot of people do start to struggle with night vision um, and, and curtail their driving. So that limits their, their driving hours. Sort of window. It does. And and that includes myself. I'm not a big nighttime driver. Um, yeah, at me all. neither. I don't like it. So, um, and again, I guess a bit of the technology side of it, if you're comfortable with the GPS and using your phone to get around fantastic. But if Mm -hmm. you're not, um, roads can be a little bit more tricky to navigate, um, know what highway you're on and what way you're going. Uh, Okay. So that, that we tend to find sort of after a, a, a certain age, um, you kind of want to sit back and let somebody else do the, the driving or conducting or whatever it may be. Um, and, and, uh, to them. Yeah. Then what about cruising? Because, um, I think cruising has a certain reputation. There are members of my family that love cruising because they find that once you get on, it's very easy. So can you talk about the, the benefits, the pros and cons of cruising? Well, cruising, yeah, it definitely, it's a, um, in, in travel speak, if you will, uh, cruising is is a recipe for success for those that, one, you, you can get on a cruise mm-hmm. and everything's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, you can only unpack once, which is definitely a bonus for some. Okay. Um, and um, have, you know, con- in essence, be waited on hand and foot while you're on that cruise for seven, eight, nine, 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you can do shore excursions if you'd like. You don't have to do them if you like. And some people don't. They just like to be uh, on the water and mm-hmm. be on the ship, um, whether that's to visit the casino, whether that's to eat or even to sit by a pool. Um, so okay. cruising, uh, it's making its way back. But it's, it, in, in my opinion, it's one of the uh, slower segments of the travel industry that is making it a comeback. It's probably sort of at the bottom of the list. Oh, okay. When we, when the pandemic did hit, uh, when COVID came along, it was the cruising was in the news as well. Right, right. A lot of negative publicity. Else. There are a lot of issues. Okay, so, those are good uh, points. You know, and but the one thing with cruising um, that is always to you know, uh, and that kind of goes with anything in travel, is to really make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. Um, mm-hmm cruising a lot of the time can seem like a good deal up front and there's a lot of great deals out there. Um, but you have to look for what you're going to have to pay on top of that. And there's things that you'll have to add while you're on the cruise that perhaps you weren't expecting to have to add. So that can add up to quite an expense. So again, read the small print and know exactly what you're yeah, and and speak to your travel advisor, right? That's what, that's what we do. That's we're we're here to help guide people when it comes to 
you know, and right. point that out and, and know, uh, so they know exactly what they're going to get. And I think, you know, the benefit of a travel advisor is, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of information online and I get frustrated with this. When you search online, you're not always getting the most, best match. You're often getting the link to who paid the highest amount to get that placement. And it can get really confusing and frustrating because you might not be on that hotel or cruise or, or airlines website that you started looking for. You've been rerouted through somewhere else and you're, you're not really dealing directly with that company. Um, so it, having a travel agent or travel advisor can really help you navigate those issues. And especially for the problems that can come up, because there can be challenges at travel when you're on a trip. I mean, you could lose your bag, um, an itinerary could change. Um, mm -hmm. and when you use a, you have an advocate in your corner when mm -hmm. you use somebody very familiar with the travel industry slash travel advisor as well, too. They're there to, to help you, um, yeah. as opposed to having to call. Um, I mean, I, I think a few of us has prob probably been in the situation where, you're at you're, you're there to check into the hotel um you you, you know uh, you booked it and the hotel's you know saying well you know there's not much we can do but if you had a travel advisor in your corner they're the ones mm -hmm. that can pipe up and further expedite anything that maybe needed to be done okay good uh, that makes it a lot easier as when when people encounter issues so um let's get into the nitty-gritty so Packing tips for when you travel. Um, you know, again, it's been a while since since some of us traveled. And I think that as people age, they're more likely to need more things and um, might be more of a need for medicine or um, walking assistance. Any tips that you can give at all on, on how to pack well for your trip? Well, one, pack light, always. I think okay. we, all, we all tend to overpack. Uh, oh, okay. For 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 any trip. Uh, we always think we're going to need this, that, and the other. Um, so one, you're going to want to pack for sort of how you're living at home and the weather that you're used to. I mean, if you okay. are, you live in the Arctic, of course, you're going to want to make sure that you're, and you're going to Florida, you're going to want to make sure you have shorts and not a, right. a parka for the whole trip. Um, but you, you, you just want to be prepared in that sense without having then to, to carry around an extremely heavy and large suitcase that you won't use half of what's in it. Regarding prescriptions, you're going to want to put that in your carry-on so that it's with you the whole time. If you have mm -hmm. a delayed, um, your bag's delayed or lost, well, you're going to be full out. Uh, you're going to not have your prescription available to you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of instances, you won't even be able to get that in the destination that you're going to if you did lose it. Right, um, so right. That's, that's the biggest one um, uh, uh, that I would recommend uh, when it comes to uh, a, a big packing tip for for travelers, for sure. Okay. So you don't need to bring absolutely everything with you. <laughs> be realistic so, on the packing. And a lot of the time now, I mean, it used to be, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, one, you couldn't get a lot of the things you need in, in a different location or it would have been expensive. Yeah. But, you know, if you forgot a, a, a raincoat per se, too, mm -hmm. you can get one locally where you're going for an yeah. extremely cheap price, an affordable price than you could have a long time ago. Um, right. so, or like an umbrella, I don't think I've ever packed an umbrella, um, for years and years now, just cause it does take up space, but I know mm -hmm. if I really do need it, I can purchase one there and I'll always have an umbrella, uh, for example, yeah. if I need it. And then it becomes your souvenir. Yeah, pretty much. You'll have a story to tell uh, about right. it as well too. 
I mean, once <laughs> my wife and I went to Amsterdam and uh, I think we bought three or four umbrellas while we were only in Amsterdam, <laughs> you know, we'd forget it at the hotel again. That's just the personal nature of my wife and I, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you just want to, you know, pack light, make sure your prescriptions are with you. Um, and of course your money and uh, passports, but also you're going to want to make sure you have copies of uh, your passports uh, as well too, and credit cards, just in case you lose those. Oh, interesting. Okay. So make a copy like before you leave and have it on you. Exactly. That's correct. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, speaking of the prescriptions, I think one thing that worries people when they're, when they're traveling, especially in their later years is worrying about healthcare if they get sick or injured. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I had an accident while skiing. I was in Switzerland. Healthcare was excellent. And they apologized for charging me like a little tiny amount. It wasn't even what my deductible would have been here. But, um, you know, that is a concern for people. Like, what if they get sick? What if something happens? So can you tell us like what, what to do to feel confident about traveling? Is it, is it travel insurance? Um, or accessing local doctors, what can people do? Well, you're definitely going to want to have, uh, ensure that you have uh, proper travel protection. Uh, okay. I mean, that's, uh, I would say, especially uh, for an, uh, an older traveler, you're going to want that. And 99.9% .9 of the people um, that go on trips with us will take that out. It is optional. Nobody's forced to buy it. Okay. Uh, but it really is a lifesaver, especially if you're going more so overseas than you are here in the States. Um, just because domestically, you, you'll be able to get yourself taken care of. You know, you'll have your, you whether in or out of network, you'll be able to access and use your, your travel and your health okay. insurance, if you will. Uh, but overseas, that can change a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. so you, you want to be protected in, in that essence. And I mean, cruise lines, for example, will have doctors available, um, okay. have them on the ship. Um, airplanes don't, you know, that's why you'll hear you've seen, you know, is there a doctor on board? Uh, right, right. Really have a doctor on board. Um, and they have some medical equipment in case it is like a defibrillator as such. Um, but it, it it's also worth to double check what the, um, health uh the 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 healthcare is like in a foreign country um we had uh about it, it was an interesting story because i'm originally from canada so we had um travelers here that were going to nova scotia and they mm -hmm. thought because canada has universal health care if they were to go to canada and something happened it's free it's, it's not not <laughs> oh, okay uh, so they they would still as as a Canadian coming to the states, uh, an American, for example, going to Canada, would still have to pay for the healthcare that okay. they received if they and it believe it or not, it's not cheap actually for for a foreigner um, if they're in Canada. <clears throat> so they'd have to still pay for that out of pocket if okay. they do not have insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, so just because a country may have universal healthcare, um, it chances are some countries can be different than others, but chances are you'll still have to pay for the, you'll have, you'll receive a medical bill um, at the end. Right. Of the you will be responsible for um, if you did not have uh, uh, travel insurance. So, okay. So, so that's interesting though. Cause like in my experience, the, I was charged was a very low amount. I've heard, I've heard stories all over. I've heard some people, I think it was in Ireland were hospitalized, never received a bill and other areas they had to pay a full amount up front. So it, when a country has universal health care, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to get it for free if you need it. And that's something to check on. That's correct. Yeah. And do you know um, if 
if someone did need services, is Medicare taken abroad at all? No. You mean okay. like, uh, yeah, that that doesn't that won't help uh, at right. all. Um, so be, there's not a reciprocity or a way for a foreign doctor to bill Medicare. You no. would have to. OK, that that I mean, that's something that you can always look at in. um excuse me, uh, you, that you can speak with Medicare about prior mm -hmm. to traveling. Um, but okay. I'm not aware of that. I do know, um, as an example, um, if a Canadian does travel, they may, they may, but that's because it's uh, free in Canada, if you will. Yeah. So it, it's a bit of a difference in that, but, um, and free for all ages. So they may cover you if it was a dire emergency, Okay. Um, even for for that, there's not a good chance that they will. So it, it's worth speaking to Medicare about that before you go, just so you have that peace of mind in case. You know, as a as a travel agency, you do a lot of work with group travel, which which does seem to take a lot of the work and the worry off of travelers. I think you know some people they like to do it on their own, but again, we're talking about people who haven't traveled in a few years or aging as we travel. So what would you say are the pros and the cons of, of group travel, going on a tour or group together compared to doing it on your own solo? So, I mean, the, the pros are definitely that you'll have, it's been done. Um, mm -hmm. So you can, you can trust that the company has said, okay, we've been doing this for an extremely long time. Um, and, you know, so they know exactly for each itinerary that they have, when, what the highlights are, where mm -hmm. to eat. And there is a level of trust that comes along with that. So you can walk away from the trip knowing that you saw what, what definitely you'd want to see when you're there. Mm -hmm. um, most uh, group tour companies, um, uh, uh, ours included, include a full-time tour director as well. So that's something you want to look at. And that tour director is there to make sure everything goes smoothly. If there is an issue that's addressed and taken care of. Um, and just overall to ensure the cohesive nature of a group mm -hmm. um, and you meet a lot of like-minded fun people when that's you're true yeah um, and there's a bit of cost savings factored into a group trip as opposed to uh, an individual trip as well because okay most vendors give what's called a group rate so you have um you know you get a, a bit of a reduction because you'll be bringing you know 24 to 40 people or whatever the case may be or size of the group um, I'd say the biggest con is if you're a very, very independent sort of free spirit, a group tour is probably not the the best thing for you because uh, it is okay. structured. You know, you have to leave and you're going to see things um, for, you know, an hour. You know, we've had feedback on, oh, I could have spent, you know, four hours there. That would have been better. Yes, but it's a group of, you know, 40 people that, 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 that. Right a company that does them would have to factor that in to everybody else's time on the road and to make sure that they see other things. So a lot of it comes down to your, your personality and, and how much freedom or how much exploring you want to do on your own. Correct. But, and, but with a group, it's easier. It might be a discount and um, you're not going to miss anything. You're, you know, you wouldn't go to, you wouldn't go to London and not see Big Ben or go to right. Paris yeah. and not see that. You'll, you'll definitely see that stuff when you go mm -hmm. on such a trip in those in those respective destinations. Okay. Um, so, I mean, a lot of companies, even on a group trip, will try to do a nice balance of free time. And, um, and then, you know, with included activities, that said, that free time is still going to be limited a bit more than if you were just um, there 
on your own. I mean, the biggest pro for me with a group trip is um, you know what to do. Uh, Even if I've gone on a trip and I've rented a car for my family, we we tend to go, "Ah, we'll wake up at, you know, we'll sleep in, we'll wake up. And it still takes us a couple hours to figure out what we want to do for the day. We do it for a bit and then we come back and it's sort of over. So you really, you you can really, it's harder to fill in those gaps a little bit, in my opinion, as well, too, when you do have that time, because you really just don't know what's great there to see and do a lot of the time. Right, right. So, um, you, you know, you've mentioned that you've been to Barcelona recently and you've been all over the world. So of all the places you've been, what are some of the places you recommend, particularly for older travelers? Um, and also for, for intergenerational travel, for people that want to go somewhere with their grandchildren, where do you suggest? I mean, the world really is your oyster, but you know, things can change a little bit. Um, I mean, Europe is always for older travelers. Um, uh, Europe's always a great destination. Um, Mm -hmm. especially the mainstays like Italy, France, um, England or Ireland. Um, and in probably places that have a bit of an easier pace, um, mm-hmm. especially if you've never left the country before. Um, so we're seeing, um, you know, if you never left, um, you're not going to probably your first trip overseas probably isn't going to be a, a country like Mongolia. Um, <laughs> you, you know, if you were going to go to first time people to Asia, will probably visit Thailand or Hong Kong or maybe Singapore or something along those lines. Um, so we, we're sort of seeing Europe is, is always that great destination, um, mm-hmm. right at home in, in, in the USA as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and regarding multi-generational travel, um, I, you're, you're going to want to look at places that sort of have, um, uh, a sort of an event attached to them. Um, so we do, um, we just had a trip come back from Quebec city's winter carnival in, uh, oh, wow. Canada and great for all ages. I mean, there's mm-hmm. something there for everybody. Um, and Niagara Falls is another one. Um, mm-hmm. you know, everybody loves Niagara Falls. There's activities, uh, you know, from going behind the falls, uh, just going for a simple walk or eating in the Skyline restaurant that again, attracts everybody else, but right. Um, you know, uh, younger, younger folk aren't necessarily interested in visiting museums, um, and, uh, yeah, pretty much. And just not that something that is, uh, not so much that you have to sit, read and listen to, um, Okay, they want to kind of be out and experience, uh, uh, things more, uh, mm-hmm. generational travel, whether that could be, um, you know, a, a trip up to Boston that maybe has some free time in, uh, in the city, then like a whale watch. So the kids might be a little bit bored with the free time walking around Boston for a bit, but they'll most likely love a whale watch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. For, for the older generation a little bit. So, um, it, it, it just really depends on, on, on each, but, um, Yeah. Yeah. When my kids were younger, one loved animals. So every vacation we would find the zoo, which was a day out for us. And oh, every city has a zoo. So we've been the Barcelona Zoo, the Dublin Zoo, the London Zoo, you name it. We have been to the zoo. Uh, But I think it's, you know, you can find things. There are kids all over the world. So find what the kids there like to do. 
Absolutely. And you might even find a lot of the places have um, hotels or accommodations that you're staying at have even then kids clubs and things that they can take oh. for themselves that help them, you know, let them and the kids have fun locally with others their age to see. And right. There. Well, the adults can go out with the other adults and see stuff that fits more uh, their interest in, in what they're looking to see and do. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. Um, so do you have any other do's and don'ts that you want to share with our audience? We've covered so much, but anything else comes to mind? Um, I just think do keep an open mind um, and pack some patience, you know, um, uh, especially in a, in a post-COVID travel world. Um, things have changed. Um, it's getting a lot, lot better and easier out there, but there are still a lot of places that, you know, you're, your um so have a bit, bit of understanding i guess as as we ramp things up um we tend to live in an amazon.com age where we can order something mm -hmm. to have it tomorrow and in some cases even today right um, and that doesn't doesn't necessarily translate into um uh travel uh, right. So, you know, a restaurant may be a little, a little bit slower serving some food. There may be um, a little bit longer line going, you know, entering the country through immigration because they don't have the same number of staff that they used okay. to. Um, so I'd sort of say that's kind of the biggest thing. Um, and I mean, don'ts, I just, yeah, I don't really know about don'ts. I, I think most people are pretty open-minded and, and understand that they are somewhere different. Um, but you know, you, you don't think like you're at home anymore when you do go somewhere else, you know, okay. you think that you are somewhere else and, and respect and know that you are, and things can be a little bit different. Okay. That's great advice. So let me ask you, uh, where are you going next? What are your travel plans for the year? I actually would love to go to Canada. Um, mm -hmm. I've been back in Canada for a very long time, actually. Um, we're looking at, um, Northern France. Um, mm -hmm. I actually, France is my favorite country. I've been there countless times. I've, you know, uh, been there more times than I have fingers, but I've never been up to the Normandy region. Um, oh, so wow. I'd, I'd love to get a, a place up there for a couple of weeks, um, specifically this summer. Um, and my, my wife's also from Ecuador. Uh, so I, I haven't been back there in a while and nor is she, so we'd really like to head down there and over to the Galapagos islands. Mm -hmm. uh, which are, uh, you know, the Galapagos is where Charles Darwin did his theory of evolution and things like that. Right. You know, you can, you can't touch the animals, but they can touch you. So it's really quite something uh, to be there. I love wildlife. So anything to do mm -hmm. with wildlife is sort of what I'm kind of looking to, to check out next. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, let me know where you're going and maybe uh, I'll join you. That'd be awesome. Thank you for watching this episode of Aging Insights TV, also available as a podcast. To find out more information and to view previous episodes, please visit our website at www.njaaw.org and click on Aging Insights. Aging Insights is brought to you with the support of our funders, supporters, and viewers like you. I want to thank our partners here at PCTV for helping us bring our guests to you today. If you need information or resources about services in your area, please contact your county office on aging. Their phone number can be found on our website, or you can dial the state hotline at 877 222-3737. You can also find a wide range of resources for older adults on our website at njaaw.org.